Hello and welcome to Blue Bros 2. This time it's personal. I'm your host Brandon and with me as always is Caleb. Caleb, how are you doing? Yo, 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 what's up? <laughs> no, that that's was not, lame. That, that's not how I really act. That's that's my DJ persona. DJ Crooked Hat makes his own beats. <laughs> DJ Douchebag. Uh, that makes me think of Ira and the... Wait, isn't it Ira and the Douche from Parks and Rec? Yeah. Uh, the Douche. I was thinking Family Guy, but that was Weenie in the butt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just got butt slammed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, we are not uh, going to be that kind of show. <laughs> as As funny as that can be, doing that week in and week out would... Like, I could imagine being on a show like that daily. Like, <laughs> I'd lose my mind after, like, a week. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, things would start getting super stale real quick. For sure. Um. Yeah, so what have you been watching? Well, finally, I have something new to bring. Um. So we just, uh, my wife and I, outside of watching movies for the show, I don't really watch a lot myself. So usually it's kind of whatever my wife and I are watching. Mm-hmm. And we just uh, finished Parks and Rec for the second time. So we were, were looking for something to watch. And um, we came across a show that was just advertised on Netflix uh, called the Good Place. Okay. Uh, have you seen anything about it, or? Uh, I've seen it on there, but I've never given it a watch. Yeah, it's it's okay. Um, it's got Kristen Bell in it, and uh, a couple other well-known people pop in. And actually, it's kind of funny. Um, for a few episodes, there's actually several people from Parks and Rec. Really? But, yeah, but it's not. Uh, <sighs> I wouldn't say, hey, you should check this out. But if you're looking for something to watch, just something to be entertaining, it's not too bad. The concept's actually kind of interesting um, because essentially it's the afterlife. And the way that they say the afterlife is that there's a good place and a bad place. They don't call it like heaven and hell. And the good place is neighborhoods. And they have a certain number of people in each neighborhood. And in the afterlife, you get paired up with your soulmate um, and things like that. And so it's supposed to be like the perfect utopia. But what winds up happening is that Kristen Bell's character has the exact same name of somebody who's supposed to go to the good place. But she herself was not supposed to. Okay. Um, so like she took the place of somebody who just shared the same name as she did. And so weird things start happening. Um, and like everything that you kind of do, because it's a place for all the good things. So since her personality isn't really meant to be there, weird things start happening. Um, so it's, it's entertaining. It's, it's a different take. It's got some unique stuff. I mean, basically they have the freedom to do whatever they want because it's their own, uh world and everything really kind of interesting is um uh guy from cheers uh ted danson Mm -hmm. um he's the uh 
he's one of the main character ca- characters because he's like uh, the person who built their neighborhood. And so he's like an eternal being. And it's just it's kind of quirky, uh, family friendly kind of a thing. So I don't know. I mean, if you're looking for some, maybe check it out. I wouldn't recommend it like some of my favorite other shows. But uh, for my wife and I, it works out pretty well. So interesting. But uh, what about you? What have you uh, have you got anything new recently or? Uh yeah, I've, I've watched a wide variety of things lately. Um, obviously, you know, watching a lot of football. Um, aside from that, uh, see, I, we started watching the ninth season of Shameless tonight. Okay. Um, they just added that to Netflix. That's a pretty funny show. Um, definitely not family friendly. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a Showtime show, so you know, lots of lots of swearing, um, nudity. You know, it's it's definitely an adult show. Earmuffs, um, yeah, yeah, and cover your eyes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, let's see. Other than that, I, I watched a couple movies. You know, I started watching the first Purge. Uh, I had a hard time getting into that one, so I kind of you know stopped. I'll I'll pick that one up later. Uh, I don't think I watched that one. Doesn't it have? Um, I could be mistaken. Doesn't it have the mayor guy from Stranger Things season three? No, 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 no. That's not right. It's uh, he kind of looks like him. I know who it is though. But I can't think of his name. Uh, but go ahead and keep talking. I'm I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> well, there's the purge, uh, the purge anarchy, the purge election year, and then they made like a prequel called the first purge. So oh. it was the latest one I've been watching. Um, man, a Purge election year. That one you should watch. That was I liked that one the most out of the bunch. And they don't uh, they don't overlap, right? Like there's um, no real importance. no. There's there's like no reoccurring characters. I mean, it's a simple idea. They have like one night out of the year where there's twelve hours that you can like do any crime and not get arrested for it. Yeah, yeah. So there's like a lot of crazy stuff that happens. Um, you know, it was a great idea. The first one really didn't do much with it. The second one did more, but the third one is where it really—I feel like it—it it took off. Uh, and yeah, I'm just having a hard time getting into the the first purge. So I I kind of kind of let that one hang for a little bit, and I'll come back to it. But then I watched um, movie Hereditary, and that was that was pretty interesting. That was very very full of drama and just great acting all around hmm. but other than those i don't think anything else of of that's, note at least that's like a lot <laughs> like oh, yeah. there's not much and i'm just like dude i just started like watching one show and you're like naming off like six movies <laughs> well i'm counting what i what i watched last weekend too and i had you know i had some free time last weekend so okay uh, real quick, um, the guy who was in The Purge was Ethan Hawke. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy I was thinking it was, and I'm not, okay, somebody's going to yell at me, I know it. I'm just saying that they resemble each other by no means am I saying, like, oh, my gosh, they look so much alike. But, you know, considering I had not seen the movie and just remember the trailer, I see how I mix them up. The person that I was thinking it was, and here comes me totally butchering a name uh carrie ells 
El- Jerry Elways. Elways. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who he is? Yes, I do. He's, he's the guy in the first Saw movie that cuts his foot off. Yeah, but you know who he is before that, right? He's the yeah. He was. Rock. Yep. And he's also Robin Hood and. Yep, men and tights. Yep. <laughs> so, r- real quick before we move on, not to drag out too long, I don't think I've said it yet on here, but if th- if I have any kind of like nickname from doing podcasting for the years I have done, you can just call me the butcher because I am terrible at pronouncing this. <laughs> Absolutely awful, which is a terrible thing for doing a podcast. I know, but. <laughs> It's it's it is what it is, and I accept it. That's it. I'm I'm the butcher. Yeah. Well, usually I know them, and I can correct you, so we kind of even each other out. Yeah, and I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> you remember things that happen in shows more than I do, and I remember people's names. Yeah. Good good compliment uh, complimenting each other, and we <laughs> I got your back. You got my back. Yeah, for sure. Okay, um, we wrap that up, so we can move on to our first segment, which is. Did you know? So our interesting factoids, um, things you could use for trivia, things you can use for life, and Caleb, it's your turn. What do you got? It's also good reading material for when you're on the toilet. <laughs> um, I, I hey, for, I just want to say I'm impressed. I hit the button at the right time. <laughs> Yeah, you redeemed yourself from last week. Yeah, there's a little bit of growing pains because we're doing something interesting because for four years I have been like the lead, like I direct the conversation in episodes, but we're I'm doing the sports stuff. Brandon's leading the stuff for the Blue Bros 2 stuff. So I have to react to what he's doing and try to get my timing down. So we're getting better. We're getting better. But... Uh, yeah, so did you know? All right, did you know, uh, first of all, that Brandon and I are like food professionals? <laughs> we appreciate food. Uh, the more uh, dead animal, the better. <laughs> animal flesh. <laughs> and so in in that realm of food and a mixture of animal material... <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the Oscar Mayer wiener. Uh, the first wiener mobile was created back in 1936 and it featured an uh, open cockpits. I think there were two of them in the center area, uh, in the center and the rear. And it was 13 feet long made of metal. Wow. There you go. Have you ever seen the Wiener Mobile? In real life? Yeah, IRL. I don't think I have. And if I did, it might have been a long time ago. I did once, and it was totally random and totally weird. I, now I re- <laughs> now realizing how there are a couple of them. Like I think there's like kind of a uh, crap. What's it called? Like a not a brigade, but whatever. A fleet. There you go. A fleet of Wienermobiles. Yeah. They don't travel together, but I think there's like a dozen across the country. Okay. But if I had, I had realized how rare they are, I would have... I think we got a picture of it, but I did not get a picture of me with it. <laughs> so, I was a little disappointed. That was back in like 2008. 
oh yeah actually i skipped class in college <laughs> and i went with a, i went with a friend of mine um i wonder if i skipped the class that we were in uh i skipped class and i was gone for an extended weekend uh with my friend who was doing work in madison wisconsin and he kind of didn't want to go by himself so i said screw it i'll go with you so we did a little road trip and we ran into the wienermobile in madison wisconsin <laughs> fun story highlight of the strip oh yeah oh uh, yeah that's funny um yeah so i guess from there we can head on to our main topic <laughs> Yeah, so you're you're right on the right on the ball this week. Yeah. <laughs> With the song cues. I ate my Wheaties uh, this morning. <laughs> the breakfast of champions. Uh, yeah, the topic this week is the 1986 movie Back to School, uh, directed by Alan Metter, and it was written by Rodney Dangerfield, and the screenplay was written by Harold Ramis. Uh, the plot to the movie is to help his discouraged son get through college, a fun-loving and obnoxious rich businessman decides to enter the school as a student himself. Um, not only did Rodney Dangerfield write the movie, he also starred in it as Thornton Mellon. Uh, along with Rodney, we get uh, Keith Gordon as his son, Jason. Robert Downey Jr. in an early role as Jason's friend, Derek. Uh, we got Burt Young from Rocky fame as Lou. He's uh, Rodney's friend and chauffeur. Uh, the dean of the college is played by Ned Beatty. Uh, and we got a couple of professors. We got Dr. Turner, who's played by Sally Kellerman, uh, from a bunch of other roles such as MASH, the, the movie MASH, not the TV show. And then we got Dr. Philip Barbet. He's uh, the man an- main antagonist of the movie. He is pay- played by Paxton Whitehead. Uh, along with those, we got a couple other ones. We got uh, Terry Farrell. She plays Valerie. And William Zabka as Chaz. <laughs> and you could guess, uh, you know, if Will, William, a.k.a. Billy Zabka, is playing someone in a movie, he is going to be a bully. <laughs> a total Chad. Yeah, and of course, his name is Chaz. <laughs> yeah, which is like one step worse than Chad. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. My name was Chad, but I changed the D to the Z. <laughs> uh yeah, so if you guys haven't listened to our movie reviews in the past, uh, we break things up a little bit, uh, kind of keep keep things moving along here. Uh, and how we start off is we we pick some highlights from the movies, the movies that we enjoyed. Um, you want to start? Or you want me to start off, or you want to just kind of go a couple here and there, back and forth? I will start. I will share my favorite thing about this movie. Um, and then we can kind of go back to for- back and forth or whatever. But I, so just a little uh, preface, I am not the biggest Rodney Dangerfield fan. Not saying I don't like him or his movies. I just didn't really grow up on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know some people did, and some people really enjoy them and everything. I've seen bits and pieces. Um, I can't think of too many that I've seen all the way through. 
So this was definitely something new for me. This a majority of this movie, something that I did not realize about this movie became my favorite thing about the movie. Yeah. That was Robert Downey Jr. Mm -hmm. It was, um, but I didn't realize it until I was watching it and his name popped up at the beginning of the movie. And I was like, Oh my gosh, he's in this movie. What, like, what is he doing in here? And <laughs> if you have not seen this movie and you're a Robert Downey Jr. Fan, you need to see this movie because he is like, I don't even know what to say. Really? Uh, his performance is ridiculous. It's like, uh, his iron cocky Iron Man attitude thrown into, uh, man, what, what would you say? Like, um, I feel like it's like super deep end arts philosophy student of the eighties, early nineties doesn't really know what the word fashion means. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then you could throw some like conspiracy theories and uh, like kind of a radical political edge. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it was. Just, I told. I had no idea what to expect, and so I just it, every time he showed up, it just made the movie that much better for me. There's there are a lot of fun things with the this movie, but every time Robert Ju Downer Jr. Oh my gosh, yeah, Downey Jr. showed up. <laughs> Um, it, it was a good time. And, um, there are a couple times where he's just like purposely trying to be, um, a pest. Mm -hmm. Uh, he does it at a bar one time and then he does it, uh, at a, uh, dive meet where he's, he heckles divers and it's just like, you know, who thinks of that? And it was, it was, he just did a great <laughs> job with it. So, uh, his, his uh wardrobe for the movie his the, whoever did his hair had a good time with that yeah and uh just basically him uh in each scene was just always fun to kind of see what he was going to do next yeah and i mean the thing where he heckles the divers he even says to to lou uh burt young's character he's like you know what no one's ever heckled a diver before <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So he's just there to do that. Like, uh, he shines a mirror in a guy's eyes. So he screws up his, his dismount. And then, um, he also, the blow you know, horn, he, I think it was. Yeah. He's got that, he's got the air horn to, to like set the guy off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, you know, funny stuff. Uh, yeah. He's, he's like just the wacky sidekick, basically. But I mean, he does a great job at it. Yeah. Uh, which he, is I think crazy he's to by think. By far the best actor in the movie, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, he did really good. And it's funny to think, you know, where he is now, the fact that he was like the side character. Mm -hmm. But I mean, ever everybody starts off there, so. Oh, he was even he was a side character in the movie Johnny Be Good as well. Have you ever seen that one? Sorry, what movie? You like cut out uh, you cut out for uh, I'm sorry. Um Johnny Be Good. Johnny Be Good. It's got mm. him and um Anthony Michael Hall in it. And Anthony Michael Hall is like a or a high school quarterback. And he's I don't think so. Recruited by all these different colleges. No, I don't think so. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting movie. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a, a really good movie, but 
yeah, it's just kind of interesting to see um, those guys in their, their younger years. Um, and to think of Anthony Michael Hall going from being a nerd in the John Hughes movies to being a, a jock in that movie, it's kind of kind of interesting. <sighs> well, I can give a, a couple of my favorite parts in the movie. Um, like, you said that you didn't really grow up watching Rodney Dangerfield stuff, and you never were, like, much of a fan just from not seeing a lot of his things. But, you know, I kind of grew up watching his movies because my dad was always a big fan. Um, you know, I saw, saw Caddyshack a whole bunch of times. Um, I remember watching Meatbally Sparks, like, <laughs> way, way younger than I should have been watching it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was one of, one of his more raunchy movies, I'd say. Uh, and then back to school, I saw a few times. And it wasn't until I got, got to college and I, I bought this on DVD that I really, really started liking it. Um, you know, one of the funny things I like is that how so Rodney's character, Thornton Mellon, he owns a, a big chain, a nationwide chain of big and tall stores, which are called uh, Thornton Mellon's Tall and Fat. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he, he's he's super rich, um, kind of, I don't know, like a sneaky businessman, but not like. I don't know. He's there. He'll he'll do payoffs and and setbacks and stuff to try to get a, whatever he has to do to get his company making money. And I wouldn't necessarily say he's a super dishonest person, but just the way he does things, uh, I guess it's kind of like the old school way. Yeah, maybe uh, shady. But, uh, yeah, 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 shady. I'd say. Um, but yeah, I mean, so he's totally loaded and there's just funny scenes of him just throwing money around uh one of the first scenes that pops in my head is when he goes to the college and he's looking for his son and he goes to a frat house and he goes in doesn't realize it's a sorority house (laughs) and he walks in and there's like girls in the shower and stuff and he walks in on them and they call the cops and the cops show up and they're like oh like we didn't know it was you mr mellon and He's, he's talking to the, the police officer and he asked him if he, he's like, you know, I'm looking for my son. He's like, do you have any kids? And he's like, no, I, I don't have any kids. He's like, well, here's somebody. You buy yourself some kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just the seeds of him throwing around his money. Just It cracks me up. Um, yeah, another thing kind of with that is that he gets the three dorm rooms remodeled. Mm-hmm. into one like huge one with a hot tub and all this crazy like 80s decor um and y- you can see it later in a movie too when they have have like this big blowout party um, yeah just you know like i said the scenes of him throwing around money are probably my favorite parts yeah and it's quite common throughout the whole thing that he does it oh yeah for sure um is there any other stuff that you like? Any specific scenes or whatever that you like? Uh, well, watching movies from the 80s is just always funny to pick up on things. I mean, you know, some people listening might not even um, might not even be old enough to know and know of some of these things. But um, I mean, like he's living, he's wealthy and everything. So he's got all these nice things, which for the 80s, yeah, they were amazing to have. But then you look at now, it's just like, oh, my gosh, that's terrible <laughs> but he they had a tv in his car 
and it was like this tiny it like the tiny itty bitty tv portal like if you think uh if you think of the old first portable tvs mm-hmm. they could lug around that size of a screen tube tv but it's thrown in a car that just made me crack up um but uh kind of going through the movie i mean when uh chaz character showed up um Zabka, you know, the yeah. karate kid, the true karate kid. <laughs> uh, that I, I didn't realize he was in there. Uh, maybe I just missed his name. I don't even know if they put his name at the beginning of the movie or not. So, and as you said, I mean, it's just perfect. That's totally his, his kind of a role that he does. But, uh, yeah, I, I had something down about him remodeling the, uh, the rooms but he, it, it's kind of interesting how, not saying that movies, uh, that current college movies probably directly model things off of it, but just some of the similarities that you see that they take on. I mean, the Dean was like a classic pushover Dean um, that you'll ha- have uh, in college. Like they, they have the classic character where he can push somebody around and it happens to be the Dean and the Dean just thinks he's amazing. Um, partially because he gives them so much money, but then uh, they have to have the villain of the movie, which is uh, shoot, Doctor Barbet. Yeah, Doctor Barbet, who is the lead professor of the business school, and of course he happens to have a class in his uh, under him. Um, Dangerfield has a class under him, or Mellon. Uh, we'll refer to him as the character's name, and so of course you have to create that clash there. But uh, one thing that I'll mention, and it's something that's going to happen with, with us watching so many 80s movies, it was short. Like, it went by so fast. Yeah, it's, it's what, like an hour and 20 minutes? Yeah, and it was actually kind of funny because I wasn't paying attention to the time. And I felt like it was almost a little anticlimactic because... Um, the two main things going on are his son wants to be on the dive team. And obviously, you know, his son wants to be in college and he wants to be in college with classes. And so at the end of the movie, um, he Mellon, the father has to do a test to be able to, uh, an oral examination to be able to stay in school. And then immediately following that is like a dive meet. And there's no real, I don't know, there's no real, like, lead-up to the dive meet. I mean, yeah, it's his son's first dive meet, but it's not like, I don't know, I felt like it was just another scene. And then all of a sudden, it was like, uh, we'll we'll talk about the end of the movie a little bit later in the specifics, but it's just like when the scene was done, it was like, that's the end of the movie. And I was just like, really? Yeah, they're really, like, back, I guess back in the 80s, like, a lot of the, the silly comedies like this didn't really have much for um, a plot. Yeah. Kind of like Caddyshack. If you think about it, Caddyshack really doesn't have a plot. It's just like a bunch of stuff happens, but there's mm-hmm. no like main um, focus for the movie. Uh, <laughs> you know, we talked about Rodney taking that, um, has to take that oral exam just to, to stay in school. Um, the reason he has to is because he gets like a bunch of homework and term papers and stuff he has to write. 
Well, he pays like a whole bunch of people to do his work for him, <laughs> you know, because he's used to be in the business world and being the, you know, the owner of a company so he can delegate stuff. And uh, in his English class that he has, um, his professor is also his love interest, is Dr. Turner, um, uh, D- Diane Turner. Uh, and <laughs> she, him and her, like they have a like a couple dates together, and they get along really well. And he, for his class, he has to write a, a term paper about Kurt Vonnegut, and he keeps delaying it. And it's like his son says, you know, you're having fun here at a party and everything, but it's like I know you have like this huge paper about Kurt Vonnegut coming up, and uh, he says something about you know have it taken care of, and. There's there's a knock on a door and Jason goes and answers it and Kurt Vonnegut himself is standing there. Yeah. <laughs> so Roddy has Kurt Vonnegut write a paper about Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. And he hands it in and he actually fails on it because the professor knows that he didn't write it. And she's like, I I failed you because I knew that it wasn't your work. Is like and whoever you got to write that paper knows absolutely nothing about Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so all these other professors are noticing too that the work he was handing in wasn't his and uh, Dr. Barbet especially who you know he just hates uh, Rodney's character uh, Thornton and he goes to the dean and he's like hey he's he's like plagiarizing work here he's not doing his own it's academic fraud um, he should be kicked out and the dean tries to fight him on it, and he's like, well, per university rules that he has to take an oral examination. Or so, be expelled. Um, yeah, or be expelled. So he has to, like, cram study, and that's where you get your 80s montage. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, that would be probably the main... I would say that's probably the main story Yeah. for the movie. And then all the other ones with the diving team and you know, at the beginning where he leaves his, his cheating wife that he has, uh, who was played by Adrian Barbo, by the way, um, who she was actually pretty amazing in this movie too. Cause you just, you just wanted to hate her. Yeah. <laughs> her small part in the movie, but yeah. Yeah. Did, did you know that she was married to John Carpenter? No. Yeah. She was actually married to John Carpenter for a while. Um, but yeah, like all those little side stories kind of go with it, but I would say probably the main story is, you know, him going to school and him trying to stay in there after getting caught cheating. Yeah. Like the thing that kind of threw me off was just like, um, and I know we're talking a lot about that in the movie. I don't know if we were going to save that for later, but it's just like, so is the oral examination. It's a big, huge, like intense thing. You feel like that's going to be it. And so you feel like the end is going to be like a huge triumphant moment of him, finding out that he, you know, passed, but then there's the dive meet, uh, the dive meet, um, you know, he gets called in, um, Rodney Dangerfield to come in and substitute for somebody and do a dive and help the team win. And in that moment, after the thing, he finds out that he passes. Yeah. It was just kind of like, Oh yeah, by the way, you passed. Yeah, and it's just like they they could if they I feel like 
if they maybe that was just the one thing, like if they made a little bit more of an emphasis on that, like he had to go in front of them and like a bunch of people went to support him and they're like, Oh, did he pass or not or whatever? But yeah, it was just like glossed over. And then it was graduation, but not even technically his graduation because he was just a freshman, but he, he spoke then it it, it just was just kind of like, okay, we're done. (laughs) Boom. Let's do this. And done. And yeah, let's take this one home. Um, Yeah. I mean, I get it, but it ju- it's just funny. Oh, we have to mention too with the whole diving thing. Um, it's kind of brought on at towards the beginning of the movie when um, you know after he catches his wife uh, Vanessa cheating on him, and he's he's diving in this pool, and you can tell that he's very good at it. Uh, and he meets the the diving instructor, or teacher, or whatever um, coach, I guess. Um, at the university, and he's talking about you know when he in his younger days he used to perform as a high diver um, in Atlantic City, and the coach is like, oh, there was this guy that used to do this most the most amazing dive I've ever seen called the Triple Lindy, and Rodney says, yeah, that was me. So of course you know that's going to come back later in the movie. And when he gets pulled uh, from the stands to be on the team, the the coach has him has him do this this jump, <laughs> <laughs> and so the triple Lindy is like this most ridiculous thing ever. So Rodney gets up on like the highest um, platform to dive off from, and they they the announcer says they have to install another board for his jump. Well, he does like jumps off, does some crazy flip. Which is obvious a stunt double. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, very it's hilarious. And like you know, they they purposely made the guy like not really look anything like Rodney, just you know, for the extra laugh. Um, basically, he jumps like from platform to platform, and then does like this crazy flip and goes in, and they win the whole thing. And like you said, he finds out that he passes afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> And and the reason he gets pulled onto the team is because uh, Billy Zabka's character Chaz uh, fakes that he has a cramp. <laughs> you know, for whatever reason, I don't know. It, he's like trying to stick it to to Jason. I'm not sure. I'm like, so you're I, faking a cramp so you can't go up there and dive, and you're going to make your team lose because you don't like this one guy. Yeah, <laughs> I, really I think understand. that was it. I think he didn't want him to be the hero. Like basically he messed up his first dive. And so if they won, it was going to be because of uh, Jason. Mm-hmm. So he didn't want him to get the glory. So he was trying to sabotage the team as a whole. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's it's still just kind of a, an odd motive. Yeah. Well, I, I want to take a moment to talk about the relationships in the movie, which mm-hmm. are weird. Um, <laughs> because... Uh, the obviously women are attracted to Melon or Rodney, uh, because he has money. Uh, for most of them, at least, are attracted to him that way. But yeah, like so many people are like all about him, which I mean, <laughs> Ro- Rodney's not exactly the most um, uh, attractive man. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to come up with something clever, but yeah, so I just find it interesting. I was like that, and it's like instant, you know, like somebody sees him and it's just like, oh, I'm taken over by this guy for whatever reason. <laughs> but both him and his son wind up 
dating women who are taller than them. Yeah. And it was just kind of weird. Uh, and not, I mean, it's not that big of a deal, but it just, uh, maybe it was particularly his son. It's just like I, most of the time in movies, they like try to make it that way. And I, I, I don't know. It, it just, it, it was so noticeable to me. I think that's what it was. And so by all means, I'm not saying that guys can't date taller girls, but it was just like super noticeable that both of them were dating taller women. But the main thing that I want to talk about the relationships was that uh, Ronnie winds up dating the professor and she even admits that she's dating someone else. And of course it winds up being uh, the other doctor professor, you know, his name, what's his name? Um, Dr. Barbe. Barbe. Um, and so, you know, just another reason for uh, Ronnie and the doctor to butt heads. But um, so she's openly dating two guys then because she goes on a date with the other guy eventually too. Mm-hmm. And, but then she gets mad when Ronnie is having his party and he's in the hot tub with other girls. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm just like, wait a minute. What? Like, okay, I understand, you know, I kind of understand, but you openly are having a relationship with two guys. And then because <laughs> Rodney is at a party with women in a hot tub, all of a sudden this is unacceptable. Yeah, I, I've noticed that too. And I always, I always wonder what the heck that was all about. Um, yeah, Rodney's big crazy party that he throws where um, the band playing is Oingo Boingo. <laughs> 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 which um, I don't know if you knew, uh, you know, a lot of people know, but I don't know if you knew that the the lead singer and guitarist of Oingo Boingo is Danny Elfman. Did not know that. Yeah. Uh, you know who Danny Elfman is, right? Uh, did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> he does, He's done like tons of soundtracks. Um, like, let me see. Uh, Beetlejuice. What's his last and name? Danny, Danny Elfman. Elfman, yeah, he did like Beetlejuice and Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, man, what else? Oh, some of the Star Wars prequels. So oh, he's he like, did. He's a big time composer for for movies. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and actually, the song that they sang there, "Dead Man's Party," was was probably their biggest hit. Uh, they also did the theme for Weird Science. Okay. Uh, yeah, so they had a few they had a few hits in the in the eighties. Um it's just kind of funny seeing seeing Danny Elfman in this movie. Yeah. Uh and also there's a so they have their big party, but at the same time the frat house is having theirs where, where Chaz is at and nobody shows up because they're all at Thornton's party. And <laughs> they're having like a caveman theme or something. It's weird. Thank you. I'm so glad that came up. Because... <laughs> and, and the music played in the background. That song um, was a Michael Bolton song before he started doing ballads. Like before he started doing ballads, he had a he was in an '80s hair band, and right. he he left that. They were called Blackjack. He left that, and he did one album solo that was like '80s uh, hair metal, and it was called Everybody's Crazy. And uh, that's a song that plays in the background. I just I find that kind of funny too. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty hilarious. That I was super confused when they transitioned to that. Like, I was just like, what is going on here? Who are these people? Because they were, like, all dressed up. So it took me a minute to recognize it was Zabka. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, yeah, that just totally threw me off. And, yeah, I don't even know what party it was. It was just like, like you said, a caveman party or something. Was that a thing? I mean, I know toga parties were big, but what, like. I don't know. Maybe I think theme parties were probably, like, kind of a big thing in college back then. Um, he did. He does mention that it's like a yearly thing, I guess, for that frat. Yeah. So he's like, usually this is the biggest party of the year, and no one's here. And um, yeah. Then they find out that everybody is at uh, Thornton's party. Yeah. So, uh, did you have? Did you have any more scenes, or were we going to move on to quotes? Uh, I think we can move on to quotes. Um, I've got uh, two of them here that I haven't mentioned. Uh, how many you got? Uh, I've got a few, so you can go ahead and start. Okay. Um, the first one that really made me laugh, and it's one of the memorable ones for me, is there's a scene um, at the be- towards the beginning of the movie. Uh, Rodney and his wife Vanessa are having a party party at their house, and it's all these like you know stuffy rich people that are like complete opposite of what Rodney's character Thornton is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, he's sitting down, he's, he, he made this like, crazy sandwich and he's sitting down at a table and he's drinking a beer and uh, she brings up like this couple to talk to him. And, and she says, uh, I can't remember who, who the woman's name was. She was introducing. She's like, don't you love the color of her dress? And Rodney looks at her and he's like, yes. Yeah. So he's like, what a lovely shade of green. He's like, if that dress had pockets, you'd look like a pool table. It's like, maybe you should try my store, tall and fat. No offense. <laughs> and I don't know why, but that gets me every time. Just like the look at look at the woman's face, and then Adrian Barbo's character just like stares a hole through him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I re- I do remember that scene. So, did you want to go through yours, or do you want to go back and forth? I'll go with my second one here. Okay. Uh, there's a we were talking about the party before, and but my favorite quote in the whole movie is in there. Uh, he's in a hot tub with like two or three girls, and he's like, uh, "What's a what's a bath without bubbles? Bubbles come over here." And this girl gets up, and she walks over, and he's like, "He's like, tell me what's your favorite subject?" Subject. She says poetry. And he's like, "Really?" He's like, maybe you can stick around and help me straighten out my Longfellow. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I hear that one, that just that just makes me laugh. <laughs> oh man, I, I do. I now that you bring it up, I do remember that one, but uh, that was not one that I actually wrote down. So, <laughs> yeah. So what do you got? Uh, well, kind of going off of that one, just because it's funny. Because I mean, like some of the dumb humor and everything that you get in some of the Rodney Dangerfield stuff. Um, it, when, so when Rodney's there at college and everything, and obviously he's partying it up and he encourages his son to do well. And his son notices that he's just slacking off. They, he, he notices something is wrong. His son, Jason is upset. And so mm-hmm. they're talking and he catches up to him. He's talking about stuff and he's just like, you gotta tell me what's going on. And or no, that wasn't the part. I'm sorry, I'm remembering it now. He um 
uh, he wasn't telling his dad the truth. He was telling him he was on the dive team originally when he wasn't and a couple different things. And he wasn't being open and honest about stuff. And then Ronnie's just like, Jason, you don't lie to me. You lie to girls. <laughs> it's just like how flippant he is with it and everything. And Rodney just is, I mean, the comedian that he is, but also his character and everything. It's just like, it's natural. That's what you do. Uh, so that, that was kind of a funny one that stuck out to me. Another one that, uh, where is it? I thought I had three. Um, again, with Jason, when he confronted, uh, his dad about being there, uh, cause Jason was going to leave college and that's why his dad actually kind of went to college was to try, try to keep him there. And so Jason had a problem with it. Uh, he wound up uh, getting drunk and upset, and he got in an argument with his dad. And uh, he he wasn't very happy when his dad came and visited him. And then his quote was, Jason's quote was, I was a lot happier when I was miserable <laughs> before his dad showed up. Because, of course, his dad's getting all the attention and, you know, uh, is kind of like causing problems for him. And he doesn't mm-hmm. enjoy it. So... That was kind of a funny one. Uh, an insult that was thrown in there, and I can't remember who it was, but somebody called somebody else a fleeb. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> no. You sure it yeah. wasn't a plebe? Uh, it's, I swear it sounded like fleeb. It so I don't been. know if that was something in the 80s that I missed, but uh, I'm saving the best one for last, though, just because it's, again, Rodney's humor and super cheesy, but he does the commencement. Uh, speech then for the graduation ceremony. Wait, come on. yeah, the speech for the uh, graduation. Mm-hmm. And so he has this quote that he finishes it off with, and he's like, It's jungle out there. You gotta look out for number one, but don't step in number two. <laughs> <laughs> and it, 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 you laugh at it more. It's not so much you laugh at it because it's funny, but it's just so dumb and ridiculous and so mm. 80s and so Rodney from uh, his comedy and everything. So I thought that that was kind of an op- appropriate one to end with. But also because then essentially that's the end of the movie right there. Yeah, and then you get the freeze frame of him with his thumb thumb up. He just kind of freezes there with a goofy smile and his thumbs up and then like all the, the graduation hats falling in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, there was one thing that I forgot to mention earlier is that uh, he has a history professor. Oh yeah. Um, who's played by Sam Kinison, <laughs> and there's a scene where he like screams at Rodney's face, and he's asking him about um, oh, was it World War Two? And uh, uh, Vietnam, Rodney, I think. Vietnam, yeah, he, yep, that's what it was. And he, um, Rodney gives him an answer, and uh, you know, Kinnison, Kinnison likes it. And he, he's like, I'm gonna keep my eye on you. And Rodney looks at the the guy sitting next to him, and he's like, he's a he's a great teacher. He's like, he's very passionate about what I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could have they could have maybe done more with that character. But uh, yeah, he had a very small role. It was like that scene, and then a scene towards the end where um, uh, Roddy's doing his um, oral examination. Yeah, and that was that was pretty much it for for Kinnison in this movie. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, and I guess, you know, we can talk about the acting and the writing and all that kind of stuff. You know, we kind of mentioned earlier that we thought Robert Downey Jr. was probably did the best job in the movie. Uh, is there anybody else you wanted to talk about? Uh, well, I mean, it's a little different from all the other movies that we do because those are like B movies. And so you have a huge variety of abilities. Um, but this movie was kind of big enough that they had, you know, talented enough people that was pretty good uh, all around. Um, I do agree that Robert Downey Jr. was probably the most um, in character. Um, but yeah, it the acting itself was good. The dialogue, I mean. It's funny because the the pace of the movie kind of reminded me of uh, Rodney's dialogue because Rodney is just fast and (laughs) kind of like nonstop talking. And essentially that's like the movie. It's just like bam, 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 bam. Like nowadays when you're watching movies for the most part, you know, you have like those little transitions. You have like, okay, we're going to show you where you're at. We're going to give you like an idea of the environment, things like that. Even in comedies, you know, they show different things but back then in the eight um i don't know I, i'm trying to re- recollect with all the movies but especially this movie it was just like scene 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 there was like no stop to you know let you understand where you are that's that's part of the reason why i got confused with that caveman party i was just like how do we get here and what's going on um right. but all, all in all i mean like it, it moves well and uh it's definitely one of those that falls into like entertaining like you'll sit there and it'll keep you entertained the whole time there's no real dead time so mm-hmm. yeah it's a very fast-paced movie um and that kind of goes with most rodney dangerfield movies because you know rodney he never really wanted to be an actor uh mm-hmm. he was just a stand-up comedian and at the time, you know, he was getting so popular there in the, the late 70s, early 80s that he got approached to do Caddyshack. And he had, like, no acting, like, training or anything like that. So they would give him, like, the plot and everything and then, like, the scenes, and he would write his own dialogue. So it was basically Rodney would go out there and he would do, like, a stand-up routine. And you can yeah. kind of see that a little bit in this movie as well, because mm-hmm. if anybody's ever listened to to Rodney's stand-up, it was just one-liner after one-liner after one-liner. Um, and he was one of the first guys to do that, I mean, along with like guys like Don Rickles, uh, people like that. Uh, and Rodney kind of made it more popular, I guess. Mm-hmm. That became like his style, kind of self uh, degradation, um, and you could, you know, you could pick that up in guys that he influenced, like um, Mitch Hedberg, mm-hmm. and how his his delivery style was, was just one thing after another. So most movies that Rodney was in, he was also a writer. Uh, this is also an example of that. Um, you know, aside from from Rodney and Robert Downey Jr., um, I wasn't a huge fan of Keith Gordon as Jason. Like I thought he was just kind of blah. Yeah, and then sometimes I feel like his delivery was was kind of wooden. I mean, he was he was okay, but I just I don't know. There was just something about the guy. I just don't. He just seemed kind of whiny to me. He and his girlfriend were probably the weakest characters in the movie. Yeah, and I mean, 
she was probably just there because she was pretty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's pretty, and um, you know, she had a few roles before that, but nothing like too major. Um, you know, she's done some more stuff after that. Uh, she was in like Star Trek Deep Space Nine. She was in Hellraiser Three. And uh, probably her biggest role after that was she was in the show Becker. You remember that? No. With uh, Ted Danson. And she was on that for four years. She played uh, Reggie. She was the owner of the, the diner that Becker always went into. Okay. Yeah, she got she got a lot better in her acting. I think this is one of her first movies. So, uh, you know, a little excusable there. And, you know, we talked about Billy Zabka. And he was just always so good at just playing like the the cocky, you know, jock, rich guy. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, Adrian Barbeau was, was really good in her small role that, role that she had, too. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, with all that wrapped up, uh, you want to give it a grade? What do you got? Yeah. Um, I'm, it, it, like I said, good, entertaining. I got to reserve, you know, the top for what I just feel like is entertaining, super enjoyable, like just, um, you know, knocks out of the park and things like that. And so while this is definitely put together better than any of the movies that we've seen up to this point, (laughs) is this is uh, probably had much bigger budget. Um, Yeah. I would probably give it. Are you going to do uh, halves or are you just doing like straight up? Like, I know we talked about it. No, but you can do a half too. I. Th- mm, it might change over time when our um, reviews get to when we have more things in our um, log of what we mm-hmm. reviewed. But I'll give it a 4.5. Um, Ah, uh, man, I don't know. Maybe no, nah, because I'm I'll do 4.5. Leave it at that. There you go. I mean, okay. I'm going to talk myself like forever into it. So <laughs> um, this is it, this is one of my one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's one of them I like to quote a lot. Uh, it's one of those movies, too, where. You know, if I just want to put something on to have in the background and, you know, I can catch every once in a while while I'm working on something. Um but yeah, I mean, I've watched this movie tons of times. Um, I grew up watching and listening to Rodney's stand-up, and, you know, I was always a fan of his. Uh, you know, I give it a five. Um, it's just you know, it's just one of my favorite movies. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. Uh, yeah, so did you have any trivia or facts on that? Because I've got quite a few here. No, I did not. So go ahead and uh, roll with it. Okay. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier how, you know, Rodney never really wanted to do acting. Um, so he just approached everything as a stand-up routine. Um, so there's, there's a scene where Rodney's character goes to the professor's house, uh, Diane's house. And, um, she helps him study and everything. That house that they use is the same house that the character Tommy Doyle lived in in Halloween. Oh, okay. Which I find kind of funny because that was a John Carpenter movie, and John Carpenter's wife at the time, Adrian Barbeau, was in this movie. <laughs> so I wonder if there was some kind of link that way, or it could you know it could just be a coincidence. Yeah. 
Um, (laughs) So we talked about Billy Zabka and how he always seemed to play like the cocky douche. Uh, This was the movie that Billy said he finally realized that he might be getting typecast as a villain. (laughs) Which is hilarious because he was the Karate Kid. He had a small spot in the Karate Kid 2. And then he was in um, just one of the guys. And he was, you know, he was just like pretty much the same character in every single one of them. (laughs) It's just funny that it took a little while to realize that. And there's actually an episode of uh, The Goldbergs. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a a current sitcom. It's supposed to be based in the 80s. And there's one where they put a term on someone being just like a total douche. And they they call it, you're getting zab good. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and the last couple things I have here are kind of interesting. Um, I'll, I'll say the best one for last. Uh, the next one I've got here is most of the outdoor scenes at the university were shot at the university of Wisconsin. Really? Yeah. So, um, speaking of Madison, you know, Wisconsin, around... where was the Wienermobile? <laughs> I was actually on campus when I was in Madison. So that's kind of funny. I oh, don't, I don't recognize any of it, but yeah, that's a, yes. That's what I said. A lot of them were was shot there. Um, just because of the, they like the look of the, the campus. Mm. Um, and then the last one I have here could almost be a did you know? Um, so I mentioned the scene earlier where uh, Rodney gives the lady the backhand a compliment about her dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, while he's saying that, there's a waiter that walks up and tries to give him champagne. And Roddy says, uh, no, thanks. I brought my own. And he pulls a beer out of his pocket. That waiter was played by Kevin Spacey. What? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, really? And I had to go back and watch that. It's yeah, it's Kevin Spacey. It's kind of hard to tell, but a, a very young Kevin Spacey. Interesting. <laughs> that, that's a pretty good one right there. Or that's at yeah, least I, one I know. Like there were some yeah, of those in there. And I saw that and I knew I had to I had to mention it because um you and I have talked about how 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 great of an actor that Kevin Spacey is. You know, probably not the best person with everything yeah. that's come out about him, but you know, his ability as an actor is 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 up there. Yeah. Yep. Got gotta put that in context. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I mean that's all the, the facts I've got here. Um, yeah, so we can move on into the weekly suggestions. And, you know, I <laughs> you need, <laughs> still don't have music for that one. I kind of put you on the spot, though. <laughs> uh, well, no, it's kind of like, what, three weeks now, I think. So, you know, I feel like there should be something. But... <laughs> <laughs> the deadly prey. There we go. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so it's my turn for weekly suggestions. Uh, I mentioned this movie earlier when I was talking about what I've been watching. Uh, That's the movie Hereditary. Uh, It's currently on Amazon Prime right now. Um, You know, if you're into kind of supernatural suspense, uh, thriller, horror stuff, um, it's a good movie for you to watch. Uh, 
I mean, it's it's kind of depressing in parts. And I actually read a review on IMDb where a guy said, you know, this movie could almost be taken as a drama just because huh. of the terrible things that happen and the, the acting in it is the acting in it is really solid. Um, just you can feel like the emotion and everything, especially through the mother character. Uh, she's played by Tony Collette. Uh, just her pretty much dive into madness of everything that happens with her and her family. Um, yeah, just really solid acting throughout. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for something, uh, it might freak you out a little bit. Uh, you know, it might depress you some, but it's it's a pretty good movie. I, I would suggest that one. Man, I don't know if I've ever gotten depressed from a movie. It's, there's just some, I don't want to ruin anything. Yeah, but, no, you know, if yeah. you want to check, if you, know, if you want to read about it or something, um, just, yeah, just some bad things that happen to that family. I mean, I um, definitely get sad, like, emotional i've uh that's happened but like and i've actually i mean i've heard it from other things and different people saying everything but i don't feel like i've ever gotten like depressed yeah just parts of it are like a complete downer um yeah but i guess like in an entertaining way if that makes sense and like the pace of the movie is very much the 1970s style Hmm. um you know slow build up for everything attention to atmosphere and character development uh, kind of along the lines of movies like the exorcist and the omen and um you know a little bit before that there was rosemary's baby kind of kind of similar to that but yeah i mean again it's yeah good movie uh if you guys are interested in that kind of stuff nice uh so anything else to add uh no, I don't think so, but I'm going to uh throw a uh, throw a curveball at you. Oh man. Uh, as we're closing out. So, uh we've been saying that we need to um you know, have a way we close this out uh cuz with the sports one, you know, say like go blue whatever, something simple. But, you know, how do, how do you close out this one? And so we we've chatted a little bit a little bit about it and I didn't get a chance to chat with you today to get you prepared. So I'm gonna like put you on the spot. You got a second to think about it. I think every week when we sign this one off, you and I just need to throw out some of the best one-liners for movies. <laughs> no context. No, like you, nobody. I mean, people will probably recognize most of them, but just you do a one-liner, I do a one-liner. End of show. People get to be really confused if they don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Because I, I am prepared. Because I know I used one last week um, off of a whim, but I, I got prepared this week. So uh, if you if you have a second to collect your thoughts from all the different movies that you've seen, and I know that you've got really good ones and you, Usually, I feel like, uh, especially in conversation, you throw out very good one-liners. I think it shouldn't take too long for you to maybe find one. (laughs) So whenever, uh, unless you got anything else to say, I'd say we could just end it off with uh, throw out some one-liners and call it a week. Yeah, sounds good to me. 
All right. Do you want me? Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? No, I'll let you go first. Okay. So back to back. Here we go. We'll go with it. Let off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> Stick around. <laughs> All right. See you guys later. Later. <laughs>